Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Franny Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to a very special episode of ITN. I'm your host, Ray Hunt. This is my co-host, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton. Say hello, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. This is episode 134. Kevin, can you reveal the title, please? Yes, the title is Line of Duty. That's good. Um, For this, we have a very special guest, current Oxford United and former Saints FC women's forward, Rachel Panting, joining us to discuss her career to date. Kev, I'm really, really looking forward to this one. It's someone that we've we've had planned for a while now, and now we're finally able to make it happen. Yeah, I'm excited. It's another in the long line of Saints legends that we've got on the podcast, but it, it took a move away from Saints to get her on the podcast. <laughs> that, that's true. That is true. Um, shall, we, shall we get her in now, then? Yeah. Okay, uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome in Oxford United women and former Saints FC women's forward, Rachel Panting. Rachel, welcome along to the show. Hello, and thank you very much for having me. This is an honour. This is brilliant. As I said, <laughs> we've, we've been trying to make this happen for a while now. Yeah, long time coming, hasn't it? But uh, like you say, we finally managed to get there. Yes, we did. Um, firstly, I mean, we know how busy you are, you know, trying to balance your work life, your football your home life, uh, and giving up your precious time to, to chat to me and Kev. So, yeah, thank you very much for that. Uh, you're more than welcome. Um, so, so how are you, anyway? How are you adjusting to your new club and your job in the police? Yeah, no, all, all right. I think, obviously, well, the last two years have been a bit crazy, haven't they, um, with yes. the standard uh, pandemic talk, etc. So, yeah, for me, obviously, with the, the job that I'm in, it's been, been a bit different, a bit unusual. Um but yeah, no, sort of, uh, I think 
at the moment you tend to take things day by day and hope that eventually our new normal will eventually kick in. Uh, and your job with the police, can you can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, so I mean I I was frontline, um, so I used to drive around on the the blues and twos, which I always thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, wow. um, but but now I've gone into a more sort of office based role, which I took up mainly because of football to be able to obviously accommodate football a little bit better than what the 24-7 shifts were. Um, this one is still shift work, but it's just not uh, overnight and, and bits and pieces like that. So um, I will do the reviews of the investigations that have been completed by the officers. So once they've gathered all of the evidence, I have to provide a rationale and basically make the decision whether we take it forward to court, whether we drop it or whether I send them back to do even more work. Um, so it's quite interesting. Obviously, it's very different day to day. Um, you get all sorts of different jobs and everything. So it ke- keeps my mind active while the football keeps my uh, physical side active. That's amazing. That does sound really good. Are, are you based in Oxford? No, no. So I'm I'm Berkshire away. I'm Reading. Oh, okay. So, yeah, based in Thames Valley, um, work-wise. Aha, okay, I'm with you. Yeah, I just wanted to take our listeners on the, the Rachel Panting journey, so to speak. Um, so I wanted to ask about your interest and love of football. Where, where did that come from growing up? So I've pretty much been playing football since I was about five years old, I think it was, or even maybe a little bit younger than that, sort of four years old. Um, it's heavily through my dad's. Um, so my dad used to play when he was younger and like his brothers and my granddad as well, um, really, really into football. Um, but also my next door neighbour, who's a little bit younger, um, he grew up footy mad as well. So, of course, from a very young age, we used to just always be down the field playing football together um, and sort of quite traditional in terms of, when I was younger, my dad used to be my manager um, at like, my first football club, um, Factory Tornadoes. So it, it's very much centred around my dad and the influence of sort of like the next door neighbour being really involved in it as well. But but yeah, it's um, been a very long time that I've been playing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's that's the biggest influence and that's sort of like the start of my football journey, so to speak. You, you, I mean, grew up as a Fulham fan, I understand, in Berkshire. How did that come about? Yeah, so again, that's heavily influenced through through my dad. So um, actually, this is probably quite an appropriate story. So when my dad was younger, um, he got taken to a football game and it was Southampton versus Fulham. Woohoo! All right. Yeah, <laughs> the coincidence. Um, and effectively he chose Fulham (laughs) (laughs) they were that good yeah yeah I I had a 50-50% chance of it being Southampton or Fulham and he went went Fulham no um, (laughs) he he just decided randomly to support the away team and it happened to be Fulham on that occasion and he he said that he just really enjoyed the way that Fulham played and he's stuck with them ever since and I think I mean he's been a supporter probably sort of 55 plus years now um and as I say because he was such a big influence on me within football it was sort of a no-brainer that as soon as he found out I was into football he was going to put a Fulham shout on me and the rest <laughs> of history from there so yeah no I've got like great memories with my dad and my mum um, has come along to a few games as well she she gets dragged along sometimes so, <laughs> so, uh, so you still go to Craven Cottage um, yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't been for a couple of years because of obviously everything mm. that's been going on and things. But um, yeah, we had a period of time where we were a season ticket holder, uh, my dad and I, um, and sort of now with obviously like other commitments and everything like that, it's um, it's more a bit ad hoc. But we we try and get to a few games a year. Um, and so and obviously naturally, anytime they're on Sky, it always always makes me happy because I get to watch them then. <laughs> So yeah, no, we're uh, we're avid Fulham fans. So who were your footballing idols uh, as a child? So in terms of in terms of Fulham, um, when I, I was a mascot one year, um, we were we played Ipswich, and it was the most boring game ever. It was a <laughs> typical. Um, but at that time, my favourite footballer was Paul Pesciolide. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so I was tiny. I was really, really small when I was younger. It 
probably wasn't until I was in sort of like year nine and ten that I had a growth spurt. I was so small that I had to wear one of those um, little bands when I went to Thorpe Park to say I wasn't tall enough for any of the oh, rides. Oh, no. uh, so, and obviously Paul Vesalino was really small, so I think that's probably why he was my favourite one. Um, but, yeah, I've had, like, Fulham players, sort of the likes of, like, Steve Mabronk, um, Clint Dempsey, Chris Coleman, um, Moussa Dembele, all of those, like, were were sort of ones that I always used to enjoy watching. But in terms of away from um, Fulham, um, it tended to be the likes of standard ones, really, like David Beckham. Uh, although I like Cristiano Ronaldo, I am more Team Messi. Oh. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, but also um, sort of like your Henri, Skulls, um, Giggs, Lampard, all, all of all of those sorts of ones. All the um, legends, all the legends, all yeah. All the legends, yeah. All the ones that everyone knows. Um, so, Letizia. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'll include some of that. Yeah, he was, he was phenomenal. But yeah, I think, I think to be fair, like obviously as a kid, if you support a team, you tend to just focus on them a bit more and then know all of the other famous ones. Um, you don't tend to know a lot of the other sort of ones in between, do you? So, no, yeah. But yeah, I used, I, I was just always pretty mad. So, you know, anyone and everything um, was sort of up there in terms of being some sort of role model in some, some regard. Um, I, ju- I just want to talk about uh, the women's game in general. This season, it seems to be getting more noticed and, it just seems to be blowing up. I mean, this is only my opinion. I mean, the Super League is getting so much coverage now. And we had the Manchester Derby uh, broadcast live on BBC last week. Yeah. Um, and it seems that more and more people are watching, getting involved, having more opinions. And, you know, hopefully this spills down to the, to the lower leagues of women's football as well, which, is, which will be amazing to see. Uh, does, does this make you proud to be playing in an era where, where it's starting to take off? Yeah, definitely. I think when I look back and reflect on when way back when I was at Reading, obviously at that point they were playing in um, sort of like a high league, but it never seemed possible that it would be within my era that clubs would even turn professional. Um, I think it sort of seemed as if it was way, way off. Um, I would never sort of hit that. So for me to even be involved still in football when you've got a fully professional league and then obviously within the championship, you've got part and part, um, part time and full time um, is is ridiculous. And I, I think it does show how far football, women's football has come along. And I think it's only it's only the start and it's it's good. It's very good. I think with anything when it sort of obviously involves things like pay and everything like this, it's it's always difficult and it always mm-hmm. comes with its own individual problems but the one thing I really personally hope stays is I guess that different sense of environment um you know when at games you always see all the kids about and they're obviously quite heavily involved in the club so obviously with men's football yes obviously one of the children might be able to sort of be a mascot or see the players as they come and go but I think it's that little bit more involved in women's football um, and I think that makes it a bit different and adds a bit of a special touch and I really hope that that is something that that stays that sort of more interactive engagement with friends family but also the fans um, I think that's that's really nice but yeah to see obviously you know they've got the women's super league now on sky they've got the Monday night women's super league the catch-up of all the games like you say, the BBC, obviously, like the international football. I mean, you've got the women's international football on FIFA now, haven't you? And stuff. Yep. So it's it's incredible to see. And I really do hope it is the start of something that's going to continue to flourish and continue to grow. I think it will. Yeah, I think it's only the start of it. And I've been meaning to get to a, to a game this season and stuff. But I'm usually talking to Kev about a drab Saints game on a Sunday. So it's difficult <laughs> to get there. Um, we should start, start a podcast about the, the women's team. Trust me, I've thought about it. Matches. I have thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not just the broadcaster games as well. It's like w- women in the sport is, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting more and more yeah. presenters and the pundits. Like you've got Alex Scott taking over the reins of yeah. football focus. And I mean, during the Euros, we had the Chelsea manager, Emma Hayes, doing some commentary and, and punditry, yeah. who was outstanding, by the way. I thought she was absolutely yeah. brilliant. 
Uh, and oh, also, no, we've just, ridiculous. yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And we've just seen um, an all-female officiating team for the England Andorra game yeah. in a World Cup qualifier. So this is all, it's all, it's, it's, it's massively important and it's, it's getting bigger and bigger. And it's, I think it's only a matter of time so we see a, a female manager in the men's Premier League. Yeah, yeah. It, part of me thought that it might happen with, with Emma Hayes, but she, she seems quite firmly rooted with Chelsea, which I completely understand. But yeah. Maybe one day it might be might be her or Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. Steve Bruce is on by retirement, by the sounds of it, but yeah. <laughs> Newcastle got enough money to pay her. <laughs> isn't, isn't there a slight irony for the, the Saudis taking over Newcastle and appointing a woman as manager? Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. How has the women's game changed from when you started playing to now? Well, obviously as we've just touched upon in terms of the the general media around it and everything that's i mean that's skyrocketed um you know even even the likes of things like twitter which is obviously i think massive for women's football and boosting it and and getting it out there you know you you look back at what previously used to be put up on twitter um you know it was sort of every now and again you might see a post or what have you whereas now is constant throughout the day where there's updates and, you know, the professional teams will have media that control that side of it and, and are paid to do that, which, you know, is, is massive and was never there beforehand. It would have just been someone voluntarily, etc. So, yeah, that side is sort of just crazy, crazy different. I think in terms of, obviously, you've then also got the, the other side, like the facilities and what clubs can now offer you. I think it's really nice to see even like definitely tier three, but even tier four, you're seeing teams that have got physios, they've got sports scientists, um, you know, some have got like psychologists and things like this. And it, it's showing, I think that does show the depth in women's football now because it, everything filters down, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And obviously the top tier, you've kind of almost nailed that in terms of with that has got it all and then obviously the second tier it's then got it all but a little bit less and then it's it's going down that way so to see that there's growth even in sort of the likes of tier tier four and and above is is really good um so i think that that does show especially in highlights um that the the growth is working well that it is filtering down the leagues maybe a bit slower than some might want but um it is it is still there so yeah so things like like the facilities like the coaching the the support that you get is is definitely definitely a lot more than what it ever was when when I was a, a bit younger and what have you so um I always think there's there's more that can be done on that side um and only time will tell whether that that will happen but I think I think from a woman's perspective and from being involved in it from sort of a young age upwards we're just grateful to play and we're grateful to have opportunities and to be given those sorts of things. I think, you know, sometimes things can be taken for granted, but, but to me personally, I think a lot of women are extremely appreciative of things like being allowed to train on grass rather than having to, you know, find a park or something like that. So it's the small things that have made a big difference so I just wish it would filter down to the to your division because whenever we're uh, podcasting on a Sunday and, and the you know the games are all kicking off around two o'clock-ish and we're trying to find the scores and we cannot find anything. <laughs> it's so difficult. Club doesn't do any live um, commentary on any of the social media that I've noticed. Um, yeah, hopefully the promotion will change that. Yeah, so many people are sort of crying out for that, aren't they? But yeah, whether that that will come next year, who knows? But yeah, that that would be something that would be really beneficial and another aspect of growing the game. Um, most clubs obviously do do that, and sometimes you might find that you're better off going into the opposition's uh, Twitter feed or something. I've done that many times. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't find enough, so I have to get Kev to do stuff like that. But yeah. It's embarrassing, yeah, that um, you know Chichester and Selby can do it, but Saints can't. Yeah. Back on your journey through women's football. Yeah, I mean, you started off uh, at Reading as uh, as a teenager, is that right? Uh, well, under 10, so just Even prior to yeah, being a teenager, but throughout 
the teenage years, yeah, sort of went up through their academy into the women's side. Well, what was it like there at Reading? Was it, um, did they have decent facilities when you started? Yeah, no, it was, I mean, again, it was sort of on um, what was 3G back then. Uh, so sort of like, you know, the ones with the sand. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we tend, yeah, it, it tended to sort of be training on sort of places like that and what have you. Um, but the pitches that we played on were always pretty good. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't fault the coaching and um, what we did get offered at, at Reading. I mean, back then, I, I remember there was one year where uh, it's probably sort of like under 14s or something where the women's team for the season got given 500 quid. Oh, <laughs> for, the, for the whole team, goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> and they said that the, the boys equivalent or something were getting like five grand. Um, so it just shows the difference. And, you know, I mean, it will obviously be, won't, won't be the case like that anymore, but it's, yeah, something that sort of just springs, springs to mind that, that even, yeah, like that was probably what, 15 years ago or so and um you know even to think of that much of a difference back then that's that's crazy isn't it but gotcha. but yeah no it was it was good like yeah the, the coaching was really good um like playing alongside some great players I was there when like the likes of Frank Kirby was there and stuff so oh, wow uh, I guess that's a slight small claim to fame yeah. um so yeah no um it sort of helped develop me set me up nicely and it was it, in a way I mean whether I would have ever stayed long term at Reading but the reason for leaving Reading was for the career and to focus on on the police side of things so otherwise who knows whether I would have been one of their longest serving players or anything like that I, I don't know but, but yeah no it, it set me up nicely. And um, that move was the maiden head sorry. Yeah so I initially took a bit of a break from football um solely because of obviously focusing on the career side and as I said because I was going into 24-7 work it it just didn't initially work so I sort of had to almost take a step back from football to focus on focus on the job and it got to the point where obviously I was missing playing football and initially managed to sort of combine the two a little bit um yeah and at the time, Maidenhead were in, I think it was Tier 4, which is what they're still in. Um, it was either Tier 4 or Tier 3. Um, but, but yeah, so sort of a bit more local um, and then obviously progressed further and further afield from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, the next step was, um, <laughs> I understand the team that I'm forbidden to mention on this podcast. <laughs> Beginning with P, just say that. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did that move come about? That that was literally in terms of the manager approached me um, at the end or just before the start of pre-season um, and asked me to come along for for a trial. Um, so I went along and um, yeah, on the same day got sort of handed the piece of paper to sign sign straight away. So yeah, it was really it was it was nice because I think at the point of when I when I was at Maidenhead, I think I got mentally to a point where I sort of closed the door on being able to progress further within football um, and sort of thought that, you know, there wasn't really going to be much more opportunity for me. So, um, you know, at the time, they are still obviously in tier three, but that's where they were at the time as well. Um, I never thought I'd make it back up to sort of those higher levels. Um, so to have had that interest, it, it sort of, I guess, re, restarted and re-kicked um, sort of the, the next stages of, of the, the football journey, really. So, so no, it was, it was probably um, a good move for me and um, sort of allowed me to then progress to where I am now. I'm glad you're calling it a progression, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there aren't many players that have uh, moved um Across the A20, A27? <laughs> M, M27. Yeah, across the M27. Well, at least um, you did it the right way around, though, the progression. Yeah. Definitely. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, was there, was there any difficulty with, with that move? No, I think, like, well, like the word progression in terms of it was, it was a decision that was right for me and for me to be able to 
then develop further and to be somewhere like Southampton, it was an incredible experience, incredible journey and one that has given me so many good memories and something that I am so happy I did. Um, so, no, it wasn't it wasn't difficult at all because it was Southampton's been the only club that I've been at where I felt like a professional without being paid um, like a professional. Um, it was yeah, it was it really did open up my eyes to sort of feel as if I was in a completely professional environment and it, it was yeah it was great great to be a part of it and it was sad that it obviously in, came about when obviously all of the covid kicked off and everything like this because it would have been nice to have had those two sort of solid seasons of pure success um we still had that but obviously it was slightly taken away from us because of the um derailments of the the leagues and everything like that so um but no it was yeah it was it was the right move and it was one that I was never going to turn down the best move of your career best Definitely. move <laughs> yeah no, I, I would I would describe it as that to be honest with you yeah um and and you've scored some bouters for for Saints that <laughs> one went against Coventry United was it Coventry United yeah in front of uh, yeah. uh the front of the fans at St Mary's and the you know the knee slide celebration and that was a great goal. And then you've got another one against uh, Lewis. Um, that was yep. a wonder strike. You don't score tap-ins, do you? <laughs> no, I very rarely have scored a tap-in. I think I'm the sort of player that... Like Shay Adams. Ball... <laughs> yeah. When the ball comes across a goal and it's like two yards out, I'll probably balloon it over the, the crossbar. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm kind of, yeah, more sort of a 25-yard screamer. Um, rather than a tapping kind of girl. <laughs> I mean, which, which is your favourite? Is it that one against Coventry that got goal of the season? They both got goal of the season, didn't they? they? Both got yeah, they did both. But yeah, I think I think the the surrounding aspects of that, in terms of with it being at St Mary's, I had sort of like my family in the crowds. There was something like over four thousand fans there. Um, it it definitely is a moment that I'll never forget and one that I'll, I'll always cherish and be able to sort of tell the grandchildren if ever there are any. Um, but yeah, it's one of those that as soon as as soon as it left my foot, I just knew it was going in. And yeah, even even thinking about it now, it's like a little bit emotional in terms of like remembering back to it. And yeah, that was that was definitely um, a career highlight. One one of them. Yeah, it's it's the stuff of dreams, and I think I still have dreams about doing that. Just <laughs> you still got time. It's going at St. No, 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 I haven't now. Trust me. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's St. Mary's smashing in a thirty-yarder or something. It's just like yeah, yeah. it's the stuff of dreams. It's uh, I think I've closed that chapter now. Okay. okay. Don't think I'm ever going to get to that level. <laughs> you can always. Um... Obviously, with like photo editing and stuff, you always edit your photo, uh, your oh, face yeah. onto mine and make yeah. it. Yes. Why haven't it. we thought of this? Deep fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, God, no, the last time we played football, Kev, was that five-a-side game, wasn't it? Just before COVID. God, that really killed me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I remember. I remember it well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the highlights and the goals and everything, and the promotion and the promotion that wasn't to be, but then was. Um, and it, your move to Oxford, which has just happened recently, um, took us all by surprise. Yeah, I think it, it was it was very tough. It was a very, very hard decision and one that obviously I didn't do lightly. Um, it was sort of a couple of weeks in, in the making of, of processing and, and thinking. But yeah, ultimately, just I, I obviously live a bit of a distance from from Southampton and that alongside work and alongside the the general life um work life balance and everything it just it's it's got to a point where it was not feasible for me to continually week in week out give that 100% commitment that the club needs and that I would want to to give um so yeah sort of even thought about stopping full stop so um it, yeah it was it was one of those where it was 
um, I, I just had to do do something to get back into the enjoyment of football because of the other aspects in in my life sort of causing it to not be the same let's say so yeah it was a it was an extremely tough decision um and I think that's part of the reason was because like the players they were like a second family to me like they're they're a great bunch of girls uh can't fault any of them they're they're all um total legends in my eyes so yeah it was it was it was really difficult um but it was the right decision for me and essentially the main thing was that I had to put myself first which is what I did sure yeah uh, so yeah no that was uh yeah probably a bit of a shock because yeah it wasn't necessarily perhaps expected by anyone and obviously with it being so um recent in into the start of the season and everything but yeah it was sort of um had to be done yeah I think um Kevin you broke that news tell me I was on the way back from St Mary's actually and um uh you got a message on my phone from Kevin it was um Rachel Pantlin's gone to Oxford and I was like no <laughs> and I think I messaged you afterwards and said no it's not yeah. and then yeah then you, you you explained it all there and stuff so yeah it was a it was a shock for me and for and for Kevin for everyone really but yeah um how are you settling in at your new club and how how are you finding your teammates yeah no um it's it's good it's good it's it's different obviously and I think that's been part of like perhaps the hardest adjustment is you get so used to a club and where I, with with Southampton you are so heavily involved it's a massive massive commitment um and it it is almost like having a full-time job alongside a full-time job so it's difficult when you come out of that situation out of out of that club it's difficult to adjust to any other club um so so it's taken a little bit of time but I I got <laughs> I picked up a knock in my first training session which oh, meant no. I, <laughs> which meant yeah, which meant I couldn't play the first game that I was sort of eligible to play. So that was always a great start. Um and of course they they train on four G. So oh. um yeah, yeah. Um and I think my feet have taken a little bit of time to adjust to that because it's so different. Like obviously with, with Southampton we, we were up at Staplewood training on the grass every mm. every night and then obviously it was very rare that we would play on Astro it just obviously if it happened to be the away team um didn't have a grass pitch sort of thing so yeah it's amazing like i've i've had to buy sort of like insoles for my boots and everything to sort of help help my feet a little bit more because i was pretty much every training session i was like rolling my ankles and that Aww. so <laughs> so yeah so there, there's had to be a little bit of adjustment but no it's it's, it's good uh, it's it's nice to sort of you know, be still involved in in football, um, and they're they're a great bunch of girls too. Um, so, so yeah. Um, are, hopefully, are you looking forward to playing them in December? Yeah, I think I think part of it is we just like excited to see everyone again. Um, like I, I speak to to loads of them still, um, and uh, like we'll catch up in person at some point uh, again um, in the future and what have you but yeah it would be lovely to see everyone um so the rachel be... panting derby that's what we're going to call it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah december the 5th we're gonna yeah saints go to oxford yeah. on december the 5th yeah so no it'll probably be a little bit of an emotional day to some extent um but yeah it'll be really nice it'll be really good um and hopefully you know it it goes goes the right way. Uh, I won't yeah, say yeah the right way. I'm, I'm I'm torn now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also, yeah, you 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 have to wait till the penultimate game of the season for your return to the snow stadium. That's on uh, the 10th of April, and the Saints play Oxford. What's going to happen if you score against Saints? Are you going to do like the knee slide and <laughs> kiss the badge and stuff? No. Make sure you save so that for when you make coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that 100. percent If if I score, it will be one of those where it will be a, a no celebration, like out of respect. Because yeah, okay. I mean, I I couldn't do it to to the players or the club, like everything that they've done for <laughs> me and and everything like that. Is there's no way, no. It will it, obviously I I love scoring, so it's going to be difficult. Take, <laughs> yeah, I would happily take scoring. I'm not I'm not going to go that far as that I would purposely miss or anything like that. Um, no. But, but yeah, I'd, I'd definitely, um, I'd definitely be respectful. Oxford are currently seventh in the National League South, but you know, only only played seven, and Gillingham above have played ten, so they're they're having a good yeah. season as well. 
and there's still a lot of games because a lot of games have been uh, postponed as well, hasn't there? Yeah, I think if the two games in, I think they've got two games in hand over uh, quite a few teams, which would then put them up to fourth if they won both of them. So, and only one point behind third, sort of thing. So, yeah, no, I think that they were disappointed. Um, they lost to Chai. Um, I think that was like their third game in or what have you. So they were they were really disappointed about that um, that result. Um, and that probably would have made a bit a bit of a difference as to where where they would be in the league. Um, but yeah, no, they've they've done all right. I think I think look at some of the results in in the league this season. Like they've been so up and down, like the likes of Gillingham. Um, you know, they went and beat Portsmouth the other the other week, didn't they? And then yep. they'll go and lose to to someone that you would expect them to then beat. So, Sounds yeah, so, yeah, well, no, I don't think anyone's losing to them. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, they, 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 they started off all right. As I say, I think, I think they were just dis- very disappointed by, by the chai loss, but um, no, they're, they're, they're doing all right. Um, quick word on the men's team. Uh, what have you made of them this season? Well, been a bit slow, hasn't it? Um, yeah. Probably the, the nicest way of putting it. Um, yeah, it's difficult. I think they they started so explosive last year, didn't they? Um, and then they really struggled. And whether it's going to be the flip reverse this year, who knows? I'll but, take that. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of a lot of fans would, wouldn't they? But yes, you, you see year on year, there's teams that are constantly developing and progressing. Um, and I guess in a way, like the men's side is sort of plateaued a little bit haven't they mm, yeah it's it's not great at the moment not a great watch no got a couple of youngsters haven't they that are coming through and doing well um that Tino yeah. probably yeah, been the Tino's, best player so far hasn't Tino's he Tino's been great yeah yeah did you um did you see the team often did you get like get to socialize with them at all no we we had a Christmas um event together um so that would have been that must have been back in 2019 Oh wow! Um, it would have been pre-COVID. Mm. Um, so yeah, we had we had an event there where all of so the club players, um, staff sort of thing were were all there. Um, but that was the only occasion, and they would have obviously continued that had it have not been for the pandemic. So so yeah, whether I don't know obviously what the situation is this year, whether they'll look to reintroduce that or what have you, but. No, there wasn't. There wasn't like much interaction. Um, you might have seen them in in passing, but I do think perhaps that would have been a bit different had the pandemic not come about. When I look back to 2019, like that was something that they were, they almost seemed as if they were building on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, you know, when when that was, there was red zones within the training ground, etc., where you just weren't allowed to go and and bits and pieces like that. So it probably put a bit of a a step back on on that side of things that would have been good to be at a christmas party with them wouldn't it <laughs> yeah i think it was a case of that they just stuck they stuck together and we stuck together. Oh, go and sit <laughs> next to Stuart armstrong and go and stroke his hair or something <laughs> 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 i think uh, i would have done that and then got kicked out but yeah <laughs> not for the restraining yeah. order yeah <laughs> <laughs> and just quickly a word on your dog now yeah i've seen that you've caved and you started an instagram page <laughs> yeah so we we took her to the groomers the other day so she got she got a little um she got a blueberry face mask um and she got like obviously a, a, a full groom and everything and and when we went and picked her up afterwards they were they were saying how lovely she was and how awesome she was and they were like oh what's her instagram page <laughs> and we were like oh she she doesn't have one they're like oh you've got to start one you've got to start one so it was them that kind of forced us into doing it we were we were yeah fighting against being those sorts of uh pet owners that start the instagram page for their dogs or what have you but yeah we have caved and uh yeah she's got her own little page now <laughs> she, she is lovely and i like i love the llama that, that was so cute yeah she she literally is obsessed with it she do you know what the first time that the llama went in the washing machine um, and I sort of put it down for her. She knew. She looked oh. at me. She gave me such evils as if to say, what have you done with my oh, llama? No. <laughs> but yeah, no, so, no, she's, she's lovely. She's, yeah, she's really cute. Um, and obviously fills me with a lot of joy. 
Yeah, I want to see. I want to see more pictures. It's great. Kev's not yeah. on Instagram, so Kev, I'm gonna. I have to send you some. Um, Forward them on. <laughs> some Iggy pictures. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Spam me up. I will do it. Well, yeah, we've got some quick fire questions about your um, former Saints teammates. Yeah. Um, whoever, whoever comes to mind. Um, okay. okay. So um, we'll, we'll take turns in firing at you. Oh, okay. So take a take a deep breath each. Okay, uh, fast, fastest teammate. Ella Morris. Slowest. Sammy Sivright. Best trainer. Uh, can I pick two? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say Thebes and Shelley. Okay, you know you can say you for these as well, don't you? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I stick with what I've done so far. Okay, uh, <laughs> your best mate. Oh, that's quite that's quite tough. There's there's loads of them that I could pick. I could literally pick them all. But if I had to just pick one, that would probably be Thebes. I'd say Lucia, her quads are ridiculous, so I reckon she probably would have the hardest out of everyone. Funniest? That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, future manager? Um, probably would say Caitlin and Kirsty. Top three with that one. Messiest? Well, we're not really a messy team. I say we're not. More, more of a Ronaldo team. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, Kev. Oh. Yeah, no, like after. After games, we'll clear up, put everything in the bin and stuff. I oh, guess how I, different. Yeah. yeah. I guess perhaps um, I'll have to probably pick on, like, one of the youngsters, like Sophia or Alicia or something like that. Like, Oh, actually, as you as you said, Sophia, how do you pronounce her surname quickly? Sophia Farrah. Okay, because I keep on getting it wrong. <laughs> I've probably now said it wrong, but no, that's, no I think that is right. <laughs> Farrah, okay, we've had discussions Farrah. about it before. I'm like, yeah, uh, Farrah, Farrah. <laughs> Farrow, I don't know. Farrow. Farrow, yeah. I, I used to always, I, I would always say Farrow, and she's never corrected me, so let's go with that. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable doing that on the pod now, okay, that's fine, with that. <laughs> you can always say afterwards, as stated by Rich Fannin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and just, yeah, blame me for it, that's fine. The smartest. The smartest. Um, maybe, well... I know a few of them are doing degrees. Uh, I think Alicia got like some ridiculous scores in her A levels that she just did. I I was pretty good at school. Um, let's go with Alicia. All right, we can get get both of you on to do a quiz and uh, settle it for good. Oh, okay, no, I wouldn't. I'm not good at quizzes. But... Oh, we do a football. <laughs> we do a football quiz. I'm sure you'd be good at that. Oh, right. Yeah, I wouldn't be too bad at that. Yeah. Um, right, just a few questions to end with. Um, what are your goals for the rest of the season with Oxford? I think I always set, like, individual personal goals, like, in terms of assessing and goals and themselves. Um, but, yeah, I think I think mainly, like, I'm at the stage of my career where I just want to enjoy my football and, you know, keep working hard, keep doing everything that I can on the pitch to sort of stay fit fit and active so yeah I probably will be you know aiming for a certain amount of goals a certain amount of assists and then anything else that comes on top of that will be will be a bonus really. I mean, um, are Oxford targeting promotion this season or do they have like a, a goal as a team? Yeah they, they, they their intention is is for promotion uh, but we'll wait and see if that, that happens. I mean it's looking to this it's tough this season isn't it? <laughs> yeah it's very tough obviously with with two losses it's it's gonna be like can't can't really lose any more sort of thing. But um but yeah, you you never know. Like in the the league is is throwing up some, you know, unusual results or results you're not expecting and everything. So it it's not it's not impossible. Um um yeah, wait and see see what happens. Okay, I mean do you, do you still get nervous before games? Yeah, a little bit. Like I've always had that I would get a few nerves and I always think that it's actually quite a, a good thing um, mm. I think I think it sort of in a weird way helps settle you a little bit more and doesn't make you be like complacent or anything like that um, so yeah I do I do tend to have a little bit of nerves uh, it's, especially sort of like at the moment because obviously I'm in a, like a new environment um, and sort of feel a little bit more or I'm putting a little bit more pressure on myself and everything. So, yeah, definitely at the moment it's probably more nerves than what I normally would. But, yeah, pretty much every every game day I'll have some. Do you, do you have a special way to channel that? I think I, I always like to give myself 
a couple of minutes before before a game where I just sort of sit and I'll visualise in my head like it might be that I'll visualise like take like someone passes the ball and I take like an awesome touch or mm. someone plays a free ball and I'm one on one and like, I'll visualise myself taking it around the keeper or putting it top bins or something like this so I tend to to have like a couple of minutes where I'll, I'll have these visualisations of something that I want to do when I'm on the pitch um, so that normally tends to help obviously nowadays everyone has the music blasting uh, pre, pre-match pre and everything so that, that sometimes helps as well if, if there's a good tune that comes on um, I'll sort of have a little sing song to that uh, and that yeah that helps. <laughs> That's actually my next question is like you zone out before games and stuff and listen to a bit of music and what, what sort of music do you listen to before before a kickoff? Oh, it's, it's anything and everything to be honest with you um, like weirdly sometimes I'll play sort of like more softer like love songs and everything like that and oh wow I, yeah and other times I might be blasting out like a bit of Eminem or something like that so yeah I, I don't think I have like a set routine in that regard it, it's just literally whatever I feel like on the day or whatever playlist pops up on Spotify um I'll just yeah pop it on and see how it rolls what about you at that one Kev what would you do um, heavy metal. Yeah, same here. I'd go, <laughs> I'd go for a little bit of Slipknot or something like that and just get yes. get wound up. That would be brilliant. Yeah, but yeah. Nordic on their asses. Yes. Head, headbangers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm a bit weird. I don't know. But... No, why not? I mean, it kind of... There, there, there is a... I, I just imagine kind of juxtaposition like in Grand Theft Auto when you get in the Mafia car and they've got opera on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I flick through the channels of Grand Theft Auto and I'm sure one of each of the songs on the radio that come on will be something that I've listened to <laughs> pre-game. <laughs> OK, I mean, it's going to be a tough question, but who's the best player that you've ever played with or, and who's the best player you've ever played against? Probably, well, as I say, I, when I was younger and even back then, like, Frank Kirby was ridiculous mm. and she's well, she's probably one of the greatest women footballer footballers out there um and you know even now she's she's still progressing and developing and doing really well for herself so I, I guess she would probably certainly be up there as one of them um I mean me personally I think Ella Morris is so good um so playing with her and like back when I reflect back to the first season at Saints um quite often I would play down the right wing and obviously she would be right back and I really enjoy playing with her like I think we linked up quite well um and sort of had quite a good understanding of each other and I I think she'll she'll go really far with her football football career and I hope she does I hope she gets a chance to play for England um England women's first team and bits and pieces like that so yeah they those two would probably be the two that I would say uh, in terms of against, um, so when when I had my short spell with um, Lewis, we played Man United, and that was the and game. Ronaldo came on. <laughs> yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo popped his head up. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that was the game that they ended up winning the title to go up to the Super mm-hmm. League. Um, but yeah, Lauren James was was really good. So yeah, I probably perhaps would say her as the against. Do you have a football hero from the women's game? Probably say that was Kelly Smith. Yeah, when I was younger, um, she she came to one of like our presentation evenings at Reading and sort of handed out like awards and everything like this. Um, and I think obviously when I look back to when I was younger, she probably was the main person that I would hear about in the women's game she was at at Arsenal wasn't she yeah yeah and you know she she was a quality footballer um but I yeah I've like read her autobiography and that and yeah like the things that she's been through and and things she's yeah she she would probably be my female football idol yeah a final question um what I mean Southampton women's team have had to fantastic winning run uh, this season the last and uh, we've been on the right end of the nine nils for once I mean are there any advice <laughs> that we could give to the men's side to, to help from this season 
find where the net is and score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they seem to have forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I guess in Southampton women probably would all be the first to say that they know that they've probably played all of the lower end of the, the table at the moment and that they've got much tougher tougher games to come. But I think the main thing with the women's team is there's like a massive unity there and they all work hard for each other. Um, they all have a lot of pride in playing for the badge and not by any means am I saying that that's not the case for the men but I think sometimes you know you you should always remember and be proud of the the shirt that you're putting on but yeah definitely I think they need to they need to sort of put their shooting boots on tighten their laces maybe a little bit tighter and and get some get some more goals. <laughs> yeah, we we all want to see that. We all want to see it, especially on yeah. on on Saturday. I don't want to see another goalless game. But that's the thing. Fans fans love goals, don't they? You know, even if it's. I don't know. Good. I can't remember what they're like. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think although you know people always want to win. If you see like eight goals in a game, you know you've been to a good game, haven't you? So you know you've been to a Saints women game. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's as, as say. Um, you know, I've I've not been directly around the men's the men's team or what have you, but yeah, within the women's like they've got such passion and dedication and commitment to play for for the badge and to play for each other that hopefully that is with the men's, but perhaps if it's not, that might be something that they need to interject. Excellent. Um, Kevin, do you have anything else? That's it. That's it for me. I did have another question, but it's completely escaped my memory. But um, yeah, it happens quite, happens quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, thank you very much for coming on. It's been absolutely fascinating. Yeah, um, Matt, massive uh, thank you to to you for coming on and, and sparing us your precious time to chat with us. It's um, yeah, it's been really, really good. No, it's good. Well, yeah, like obviously, if you want to do another one at any point, like end of the season or something, if uh, oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. If you're happy back, I'll, I'll more than happy. Yeah, come on every week. Kev can go. no yeah absolutely that'd be amazing um and yeah best of luck to to oxford i hope you have a fantastic season with them and good luck to fulham as well i hope they can um get back to the premier league again yeah yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed for success all round eh? yeah fulham and saints swap places probably but yeah Oh, well, technically, we want Saints to stay up as well, don't we? So. We certainly, we certainly do. But yeah, anyway, thank you so much for coming on. It's been, it's been brilliant. No, I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Fantastic, thanks. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up Southampton. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.